Hello, everybody. The other voice you are hearing, <laughs> the lovely voice you're hearing, is Olivia. Thank you, Olivia, for that introduction. Yeah, we are both students here at CSU, and we know each other through that. So let's get into it. I just wanted to start off talking about a really well-known medical anthropologist. His name is Dr. Paul Farmer and some of the experiences of his patients or a patient in particular. One story in his work in rural Haiti is of a pregnant woman who came into the clinic needing blood transfusion, a simple blood transfusion, couldn't afford it, and both her and her baby ended up losing their life. Many of the stories of the people of Kanj and other rural areas of Haiti and of Dr. Farmer working to broaden the scope of their access to public health can be found in Kidder's 2009 book, Mountains Beyond Mountains. So why bring this up? What do we need to know from Dr. Farmer and the stories of his patients? Well, one thing that is really important to take away from Dr. Farmer and his nature to treat every patient as an individual with a life of value. And while all lives are the same in that they might be battling the same disease in a tuberculosis-stricken area, for example, and that he, as a public health provider, feels he has a duty to fight for each separate case, he also recognizes each person's separate and independent health backgrounds, personal backgrounds, needs, all these separate battles. He recognizes where there are gaps in access and care and does what he can to fill those voids. This value is appreciated in combating disease outbreak, certainly, but ideally in health overall, because when people have access to regular health care, there exists less opportunity for more expensive disease outbreak and other health complications to run rampant or, or even to happen at all and really limit the extent to which that people live their lives in a way that is good for them and that really limit their extent of well-being, their livelihoods, and membership of families and communities. We see the problem of healthcare access being tied to nations in poverty. Do you see these ideas being applied to the U.S. as well? Yes. Yeah, so, so often these experiences are associated with nations or communities facing poverty or in civil unrest. And while, yes, this is true when we are discussing Dr. Farmer's work in Haiti, I don't want to spend too much time on that concept. While it is important to understand because, one, we don't have time to get into the reasons for poverty and all of those reasons are really kind of beyond the scope of this podcast, while they are so important to understand. And two, we know there is so much to learn from the people of Haiti in life in Haiti beyond the experience of poverty. I don't want that to be the takeaway, the only takeaway, and to reinforce the idea that places like the United States, when they take up space in places like Haiti, I don't want this idea to be reinforced that those places have so much to learn from us. This reinforces the idea that it isn't or shouldn't be a two-way or even a multi-way flow of communication and knowledge. Because what we are dealing with, many of the same problems that we're talking about, we do see here in the United States. The reality that basic or regular health care or chronic health management is not affordable or is out of reach for, is, that reality is so true for so many Americans. Uh, we see this now today being augmented by a virus that's left virtually no country around the world untouched. Everyone's so sick of it, but the current virus is so relevant to all of this. <laughs> yes, yeah, so let's get into it because it really does highlight this need 
and the need of supported public health in our country. Everyone is so ready to move past this virus and its horrible effects in terms of cases and death rates, but also on mental health, our relational ties, families and individuals alike, on businesses. You know, I mean, we see that our impact is so far reaching, but cases have only risen since March. We're only seeing more repercussions of this every single day, and the burden is disproportionately heavy. In April, in the beginning of all this, in April and May, cases in tribal lands were more than four times the rate in, in the United States. And also in May, the Navajo Nation had the highest rates of COVID-19, rates surpassing those of New York that we knew was kind of a hub for all of this at the beginning of the COVID story. <laughs> so why do we not feel a large-scale collaborative effort from all angles to get us through this. There do exist economic difficulties and inequalities in America. There do exist gaps in healthcare access and affordability like we see from Dr. Farmer and his, and his patients' experiences. So why don't the communities that are so hard hit by this, by the COVID experience and by so many other gaps in healthcare um, have so little say in their own recovery processes? This coronavirus is just the current foremost example of these problems. Can you talk about this outside of COVID? I'm sure. And doing that, we could go so many different places. Kate Brown, our very own professor here at CSU, has taken us to post-Katrina in the United States to explore recovery processes in her work Standing in the Need. Kate has done so much work surrounding recovery after disaster. She highlights the gap between those recovering after disaster and those stepping in, often bureaucratic agencies that are trying to step in and aid in this course of action. But when the recovering culture is not fully understood and appreciated by the other, the entire process is only elongated and ultimately misled as the true needs of a recovering community are never really represented and therefore met. When there is a disconnect between survivors of Katrina and federal agencies like FEMA, for example, even down to disconnects in simple communication, needs won't be effectively understood and accommodated. And people who are already displaced by unforeseen disastrous physical events are further separated from a process that is supposed to be based on those very needs. FEMA costs these survivors a lot of damage mentally and physically by not recognizing this. Communities that are already facing the impacts of inequalities don't need to deal with elongated and convoluted recovery processes in the face of disaster. You're absolutely right. So with the time left, can you talk about some of your ideas moving forward? Absolutely, yeah. So. What, what needs to happen is to really recognize the importance of representation and diversity in decision-making groups and a two-way flow of communication between these groups and communities that are needing the support. So we can see this happening in academic circles. We can see this happening you know, in media circles. We can see this everywhere. We can see in all sectors of society, people need to be represented just first and foremost. And then moving into decision-making bodies, I mean, places like FEMA and representatives in our Congress, there needs to be a representation of these communities. I mean, even when we see, when we're talking about 
um, census reporting. I mean, all communities need to be represented. There needs to be a box that every person can accurately check that so that their communities are represented so that there are right allocations of money and federal support. And then moving into disaster recovery processes, instead of having a one-size-fits-all approach, we need to be really hearing the voices of those who are most impacted. We really need to put those voices forefront and, and listen to what needs to be done. And also, when we include representation and diversity from the get-go, <laughs> before disaster occurs, ideas and new perspectives and backgrounds are brought in to solve problems in, in creative ways, in innovative ways, um, so that problems can really be thought about and addressed before they are exacerbated by unforeseen disaster. I think we can see time and time again, there's so much research that points to the fact that when we make up groups with differing perspectives, differing backgrounds, stuff gets done. <laughs> there is more chance for a creative course of action. So once again, I am Roxanne. Thank you for listening. Roxanne, thank you for joining us in the studio today. Yeah. Once again, you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins. I'm <laughs> Olivia signing off.